Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey everyone, I'm a Comey. I see. I was gonna start off. I was just trying to get me getting a. I was trying to get my my muse going. Oh, sorry. That's okay. That's no, fine. <laughs> Besides, what I was gonna do, I, I've been thinking about it. I was thinking about doing it for a while, but I had to. I had to get. I had to get in character, and I was like, man, yeah, people probably wouldn't really care for that too much, but, you know? Because I always care about what people think. Of course, um, yeah. And I mean, I just, I just thought you were just waiting for me. Sorry. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I can't read a fucking room. <laughs> Uh, well, now I was looking at my phone too, but I, I was looking at my phone, so you probably thought I was doing that. But no, I was. I'm, uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so hey, my name is Turk One Eighty Two. I'm still a Comey, and uh, welcome to another episode of Our Moms Think We Are Funny. Yeah, and uh, it's been a while since we've done this. Um, yeah, and we yeah. always have fun doing it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, there's a lot of things we want to do. Like we still, we still need to do another round of Poke Monsters. We do. Um, I was really bad at it. No, it was good. It was good. Um, I wish I'm going to, I'm going to tell you now because I'm probably going to abandon it because I never could get the mechanics worked out. And if I do get the mechanics worked out and then uh, it probably won't be exactly, I'm describing to you now, but I think I did tell you that, um, one of the things I was going to, I was going to do was a uh, event horizon. No. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to introduce the, the event horizon ship. Well, it was going to start off as the, um, as the uh, crap, I can't think of uh, Captain Miller's ship was. I don't um, remember the the rescue ship. It wasn't the Nebuchadnezzar, but um, but it was going to start off as his ship, and um, you would put a um, you would put the event horizon out there, and Doctor Weir was be a character, and instead of having attacks, he would um, uh, like whenever he would do a, a instead of having an attack, he would put a madness token on either a care a uh, a character, um, or put one on the event horizon. Yeah. Once the event horizon had like five madness tokens on it, it would. Or so once the other ship had five magnets, uh, madness tokens on it, you would flip it over, and then it would become the event horizon. So the ship that they went there on the, the salvage ship. Yeah. That once the madness yeah, get, then the event horizon would take would take over. Huh. When that happened, um, Doctor Weir would then change to evil Doctor Weir. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but the Dr. Weir and, um, and the event horizon are tied together. So if one of them leaves play, the other one, so if Dr. Weir gets put on the bench, right, the event horizon just stays out there. But if either one of them leaves play because they're, because they're, um, killed, whatever, or they're just removed from the game, if that happens, then both of them are removed from the game. Interesting. Um, but I could put a madness token on somebody. The madness tokens really didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. but then I could use an action to take all the madness tokens, um, off of like target characters yeah. and either put them on Dr. Weir or put them on the event horizon. Hmm. So, um, anyway, so that, and, and, but I never could get the full mechanics worked out to where, you know, we had some, we had some problems with the, um, with, with the attacks where they were like way too strong or yeah, way yeah. too light. Yeah. So, but eventually we'll get back to Poke Monsters because there's a lot of them. And I didn't, I didn't go as far as, I didn't go as far as you did with the obscure and I should have. Yeah, yeah, you know, I really liked going with the obscure. So I, I should have done that. Um, and uh, so eventually, when we have time to actually think about it, um, eventually we'll we'll get back to that. And uh, and guys, with all the bad horror movies and shit that we watch, we could come up with some really good obscure like Poke Monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so uh, so this is another one that we've done um, done a few times, and uh, and we really like doing it. 
And it's a uh, it's another uh, fan theory fan theory episode. Yeah, uh, where we take um you know we take movies and we uh, create our own fan theories for them. Generally, we try to challenge each other to be like, hey, I want you to combine these two movies and tell me how they're connected. Yeah, to like you know random movies and try not to do something as you know like it was like well um this is a dream that this guy had when the other person <laughs> you know, was like no 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 not nothing like that you know so so um. I challenged you with, um, and to me, I thought I figured I figured you would be able to put it all together without a problem. Yeah. But it was I wanted to see how you were going to do it. Right. Um, right. and um, and so I challenged you with connecting Clockwork Orange to Eyes Wide Shut, mm-hmm. both of which are Kubrick are Kubrick Kubrick films. Wow, it's so hard to say. <laughs> we're tired. Kubrick. <laughs> So Kubrick films, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, so um, so that was yours, and you challenged me with what? With uh, True Romance and Bubba Hotep. True Romance and Bubba Hotep. Yes. They both got Elvis in them. They both have Elvis in them. Yep. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. So I was like, okay, word. So um, so yeah, so that's what we're we're doing. We're doing another one of our. Fan theory challenges, yeah. and uh, who would you want me to go first? Would you like to go first, or or what? Uh, I'm good either way. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll let you go first if, it, okay. if you don't mind. Okay. So uh, my my theory is that uh, both of these movies uh, actually came from the same director, so it's like all one story being told by the same guy. No, that's that's, that's not it. Oh, that's that's whole theory. Okay. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> work, work. No, just just take the cheap way out. Yeah. So my theory is that they're both films. They're both movies. Yeah. No. Watched by people for entertainment. No, it mind blown. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. So uh, eyes wide shut. Uh, it opens up with uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's characters, uh, Dr. Bill and Alice Hartford. And uh, um, there's, there's obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, sexual mishaps within their relationship. There's just, there's a lot of stuff that's not sitting right. It seems like their relationship is kind of not doing super well at the beginning of the movie. And through a series of mishaps and through a series of, of talking to uh, certain shady individuals, Bill discovers uh, that a musician friend of his has been getting invited to, uh, to super fancy parties where he has to stay blindfolded. And, uh, and so uh he of course uses all of his crazy amounts of doctor money to uh to basically purchase the information that it takes to show up at this and all it seems to be on the surface is that it's uh ostensibly just like an orgy and uh i'm skipping a lot of details here um just provide the details you feel are necessary well i just like i want to make sure that like the movie's understood but um so you know he 
he purchases whatever information he needs and he goes to this party. Seems to be... Seems to be, you know, this weird, creepy orgy. And of course, um, <laughs> in the in the theatrical release, everybody's like hiding behind plants and stuff during this massive orgy. Um, and I think they finally did correct that, though. They, they did, yeah. They, they re-released the final version because, like... Basically, Sony just like yanked the film out of his hands before he was done editing it. Uh, Warner Brothers. Ago. Well, Warner Brothers. Okay. So for some reason I thought it was Sony. He died. He. I'm sorry. Kubrick died before the movie was finished. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was three months before the release date. They kind of yanked it out of his hands, and they were like, "We're just going to release what you've got. We'll just take the latest version." And then he died six days later before we could finish it. But anyway, so all this to say, long, long, long story short. Bill gets found out. They yank his mask off. They find out who he is. And one of the prostitutes there says that she will take the punishment in his stead. And they basically let him go with a warning. He doesn't see her after that. Um, she's, uh, uh, she just kind of drops out of the movie. Um, now, was that Lily Sobieski? I don't remember. I have actor facial blindness. She, she's the one from the... She was the hot redhead. Uh, no, so Lee Sobieski is the, is the one in the extended cut of... Um, of uh, um, what's the movie you like so much with the bees? Um, oh, Wicker Man. Wicker no, Man. no, it wasn't. Okay. Um, yeah, I do like her, though. Because uh-huh. she's in it. She's in that one part where they go to the, 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 the one guy shopping. It's like his... Daughter or something, and like, uh, she's yeah, the hot yeah. blonde. Yeah, yeah, she so. is delicious. No, yeah, no, this, so. this chick was uh, some kind of redhead. Um, but anyway, so basically, um, basically, he's he's all torn up about this. He's all freaked out. Uh, he tries to check in on his musician friend. He finds out that his musician friend was just like rushed back to his hotel by like scary dudes and then disappeared and. Uh, then, as a doctor, he gets uh, he gets called over to a friend of his house to uh, to check out a dead body, and um, it come to find out he's able to recognize, even though she was wearing a mask at the party. It's like, oh, this is the chick who helped me out of the orgy, and so he's asking his friend about it. Uh, and his friend's like, oh, listen, I was there. We all recognize you. We know what's going on. Just understand, all of the threats that we made were just to scare you into good behavior. We just want to make sure that you don't tell anybody about our little our little group. And as long as you behave, nothing's going to happen. We're capable of following through on our threats, but we have no intention of doing so unless you force our hands. Right, okay. That's the basic gist. Um, you know, more, more stuff happens. I'm, I'm skimming over a lot of shit here. But, um... But that's the basic thing, is that he's saying, you know, listen, your musician friend is home in Seattle, safe and sound. This chick who died, she was a druggie, she overdosed, we did not kill her. You're you're just worrying about things unnecessarily. We could do it, but we're not going to. So, how does all this tie into Clockwork Orange? Okay. Okay, so my belief is that you typically don't just form a cult just to have orgies. That's just a, you know, a fun side effect. Uh, a, f- a fun little, like, perk. Okay. Maybe it's a perk. But, uh, 
most cults, especially most really well-funded, uh, well-organized cults, such as this one, they've typically got some kind of an agenda. Most of these cults want to bring about the end of the world. Right. Okay, so... As we've discussed in a number of our other podcasts, things like uh, our time travel ones and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the end of the world doesn't always mean, boom, the entire planet blows up, and now we're all returned to the Stone Age. Right. The end of the world could just as easily mean the collapse of society. Right. It's, it's the end of the... It could be the end of the world for you, like what you deem to be important. For you. What you deem to be important or... Like, what you enjoy about the world, it could be the end of that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to, to me, it could just, as long as it's the collapse of society, if we're looking at society no longer making forward progress, you've got that. So, that, that brings up the next question of what is it that this cult is fixated on? What kind of things is, is going on within this cult that is part of their religious worship? Uh, so, what we see is that... They're druggies because they're drugging up their prostitutes to the point where they overdose and die. Um, okay. You know, they, they get hopped up on speedballs and shit like that. Uh, obviously sex, because that's the most famous scene in the movie, is is all these people just screwing like rabbits, just going at it like a couple of hyenas at a Prince concert. And I'm just going to say, man, I mean, if I'm going to join a cult, it, it, it better be because I'm getting mad late. I just, <laughs> it's just straight up. That is it, man. I mean, I have no other reason to fucking join a cult. If I'm going to be giving somebody my money just for like whatever, like, and no, there's got to be something that is that it had, that what's in it for me is I'm getting mad late. That's it. So. And, uh, and the only other really confirmed thing that we see is, uh, implied violence. There's no on screen violence here, but what we do know is that they threaten Bill. They threaten his musician friend. When his musician friend gets brought back to the hotel, he's bruised up and kind of beat up. And it's... Although they deny having killed the woman who intervened for him, it's kind of implied. Right. So, let's fast forward a little bit here. Alex is described as... uh, Alexander DeLarge, in The Clockwork Orange, is described as a young man whose principal interests are... Malaco, ultraviolence, and rape. I'm sorry, I'm going to look back. I'm going to look <laughs> I, back at my post. I know here. I didn't read the exact <laughs> tagline here, but yeah, okay. Uh, rape, yeah. ultraviolence, and Beethoven. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but okay, but yeah, so we open up a Clockwork Orange, and he is in the Corova Milk Bar. Yep. Drinking Malaco Plus. And uh, the book specifically states that he liked the Malaco Plus that was the uppers, the stuff that really heightened his senses and made him more keen on violence. Uh, of course, he's super into just picking fights, getting into fights and all that. Mm-hmm. And of course, all he does throughout the entire first half of the movie is just rape the ever-loving shit out of anybody who holds still long enough for him to get their legs apart. Right. So that's the three things that the cult's main focus was. Alex's primary things are sex, drugs, and violence. So, my theory here is that whatever that cult was planning, they they denied it to Bill. They said, oh, we're not planning anything, we're just a little old sex club, and we just don't want you ruining our fun. Okay. I think they were lying, and I think they were planning on bringing about the collapse of society through these crazy anarchistic things that they were doing. Hmm. 
because they they were um they were all pretty fairly um fairly wealthy people too very they? wealthy people very influential so i think they were a cult whose principal interest was to bring about the end of the world and i think they succeeded in doing that by corrupting society to such a point that the three things that the the, the, the three tenets of their faith were brought into the world to the point that society collapsed. Damn. Because there was a fragment of government left in A Clockwork Orange, but most of it was just droogs running around doing whatever they pleased. Hmm. You basically had to get caught in the act of murder to get in trouble with the police. And, of course, at the end of Clockwork Orange, you know, like, their whole method of trying to um, trying to change these criminals mm-hmm. and change their behavior... They then reversed is like, oh, it didn't work, even though it actually worked very well. Yeah, it, it didn't work. Well. So then they're back to, they reverse him and then they're back to square one, which is, you know, we've got these people that are doing whatever. Yeah. And uh, to, to add on what you were saying, like when Alex is released from prison, he runs into two uh, Bobbies mm-hmm. who actually turn out to be his former Droogs who beat the shit out of him. Yep. So here it is that the, the, the with the inmates are not running the asylum. Yep, so yep. these people never should have been made like police officers, right, right. because they had horrible criminal past and they were <laughs> they were sociopaths. And so even the police are dictated by drugs, violence, right, right. So these so these so. people here like they're they're the only thing I've done is just they just they're just they're droogs with badges now. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and um, what happened to the other one? Because there were uh, three: so, Georgie, Pete, and Dim. Uh, Pete went to a reform school. Georgie died. Dim became the police officer alongside of Billy Boy, mm-hmm. who was from a rival Drew gang. Right. He the was ones the one that, that Alex kicked the shit out of at the beginning of the movie. Uh, there's, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but um, it's a later episode of The Simpsons where they do a um, they do a, uh, a parody. It's like one of the Halloween episodes. They do a parody of A Clockwork Orange. I remember seeing Bart in a Drew costume. But... Uh, that was a different one. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, Stupid potty. Wish we were trick-or-treating. But this is one that has Homer doing it. And then in the end, they get into this whole fight. And the fight is, which is kind of funny because it's this, it's this whole thing. I wouldn't even think about this. The fight is actually in this, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the building where the orgy takes place in, uh, in Eyes Wide oh, Shut. Oh, yeah. And, and Mr. Burns was like, uh, grab a piece of furniture or whatever. Right, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and th- but then, then it makes reference to all of these other cubic films. And then yeah. when the guy gets shot in the leg, it's like, even I don't know what this is reference from. And I think it was Barry Lyndon. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, um, to, to back up my theory, I'll say that Bill interacts with a lot of people outside of this party and this orgy who are obviously being corrupted by the cult's influence. The guy that he gets the costume from winds up selling his daughter into sex slavery. At first, it's pretty heavily implied that there's, like, some creepy-ass incestuous stuff going on. Right. But then when he goes back to return the costume to him, he's basically like, yeah, I I sold her into sex slavery. So, uh, you, you also see... All throughout the movie, women actively try to seduce him. Women, uh, Men actively try to seduce his wife. And even at the end of things, it seems like their relationship is being recovered. But the very last thing, uh, you know, they're, they're basically like, I can't believe our relationship has survived all of this stuff, all of this corruption. And uh, she says, but there's something that we have to do as quickly as possible. 
And he says, what's that? And she says, we fuck. So, very last word in any Kubrick movie is the word fuck. But, um... Is that a given? <laughs> well, I mean, she's she's basically saying you're, like... There, there's a lot of sexual weirdness going on, and basically we're, we're going to have to have that kind of union to to really seal the deal that we're staying together. Yeah, I, I, when you said that, I was mean, like, um, is that like the, is that like a given, like in the last word, in, in every Kubrick movie is the word fuck. <laughs> the word fuck. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just, just how he just ends every movie. It's just some guy at the end of the credit sequence just screaming it as loud as he can. <laughs> fuck! <laughs> it's, it's like his see you next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting that they chose to use that word personally, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But, like, I don't think it would have made sense for her to say we have sex or we make love right. or anything like that. Like, she had to use the word fuck. Right, because she's saying, I don't want to have sex with you. I want to get right down freaky. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. just, I want to, like, like a, like a hard, like, prone bone. Yeah, like, this This has got to be as primal as it possibly can because this is just the animalistic instinct. But, uh, you know, I mean, like, it's it's painted as like, oh, our, we're starting to see some recovery in our relationship. Mm-hmm. I think this is the cult's influence. This is like, even even they are now so far gone that the only thing they can do to try to salvage their relationship is to fall into the one of the three things that they worship as a cult. So and don't forget the last part. The last part. Yeah. After all that. Um, the mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit, I didn't even make that connection. I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> I own it, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, yes, um, you do have to wear the masks at these cult gatherings. And, um, you know, yes, that, that is actually how he's found out. Like, his wife discovers it because uh, his mask somehow winds up on his pillow. How that ties into my theory, though, is... Uh, well, just your, your end part there was like, you know, it's like that they fall victim to that thing because mm-hmm. in the end, his mask is there. Yeah. So they've, then they've either. They still haven't gotten rid of all the vestiges, basically. Right. And, and I mean, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any hint that she was there at the, at the, no. at the club. No, there's no indication. But, I mean, it, maybe, maybe she's been, she's been made aware of everything or well i just think it's like residual stuff that's like there's ripples that are affecting everybody but uh she's she's one of the more pure characters throughout the movie because at the very beginning they're at a christmas party and she's like tipsy she's drunk and there's some jacked handsome guy who's like trying to pick her up and trying to seduce her and even though she's drunk she's like i can't do that i'm married i can't do that to my husband and meanwhile, Tom Cruise is, like, totally sober, and he's, he's like, on his way to actively have a threesome with two other chicks, because, hey, they're there, he can do it. I mean, I, I mean, it's not right, it's not right at all, but how many times does that opportunity just appear? I mean, <laughs> well, really... apparently when you're Tom Cruise, more, more frequently than for us. To... Plus, he was a doctor, so. But then, like, he, he got interrupted, he couldn't do it because of a medical emergency that came up, but it's like... That that shows right at the very beginning that like even then she's like when even when she's compromised and he's not she's still a better person than him. Right. But um, and you also still see the like the, to to back my theory my theory a little further you still see residuals of what she's that she is starting to become affected because when he goes home and discovers the mask 
she's dreaming and she's laughing in her sleep. And she basically says that she had a dream where she was just banging every man she could get a hold of. And she was laughing because she knew he was watching and she just wanted to hurt him as much as possible in the dream. Wow. Yeah. And she, and she's like tearful. She's not saying this like, Hey, fuck you, buddy. She's saying this was a terrible dream because this was what was going on and this was what was motivating me. Again, I think this is the residuals of this cult is actively making society fall apart by worshipping these three things. But to bring it back to the mask, when the droogs are out doing their thing and they're breaking into the house to rape the people, they all put on masks. Because the masks are required. So, so, right, so in your theory, is it the... Um are the are the, the people of the the cult society are they now basically is it is a church that has been that has been built around the droogs or the droogs uh, are the future like that so the cult ends up becoming um so i guess so, alex is a descendant of the cult so i think clockwork orange is like in the far flung future okay, yeah. of this world i think the cult is going to forever remain underground they are basically the Illuminati. They are there to work in the background, work in the shadows, and just keep doing their stuff to keep pushing their influence out in the most subtle ways possible. So the Droogs, and Alex in particular, are just products of society. But it's a society that has been feeling the residual effects of this cult for two, three hundred years now. So he, so he's doing the cult bidding even though he's not aware of it. Right, right. Because he's just been he's just been influenced and molded by by them for so long. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like uh, in the mountain in the mouth of madness, how everybody reads and loves Sutter Kane's work, but they don't know that that's exactly what he wants them to do. They don't know that they're feeding into his plan. Like Alex doesn't know that he's doing the work of the cult by doing this stuff. To him, he's just having fun. Like he he likes getting drugged up and listening to Beethoven and raping people. So that's what he's going to do. Smoke with cigarettes. <laughs> Steal from his grandma's purse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun to do bad things. <laughs> um, so I, I like that. Uh, I, I like that theory. Um, I think it works out really well. So to kind of go, go along with this uh, whole like theory thing here that we're talking about, which isn't really quite the same thing, but uh, but it does in some way tie in. Very, very peripherally, though. Is you mentioned the whole Sutter Kane in the Mouth of Madness thing. Yeah. And when you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was this song, uh, Demon Speeding by uh, Rob Zombie slash White Zombie, mm-hmm. where it, the, the line in the song is, you know, in the mouth of madness, I'm demon speeding. Uh, but if you listen to like any uh, Rob Zombie slash White Zombie songs, he makes all kinds of science fiction and horror movie references mm-hmm. all the time. Like, Goldfoot's machine creates another fiend so beautiful to make you kill. So it's like Doctor Goldfoot and uh, Gold, uh, the, Doctor Goldfoot and the uh, the bikini uh, thing, whatever it is. But yeah, yeah. it's a um, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Vincent Price like movie. And then yep, yep. Um, and I completely blanked on this. I didn't realize it until um, Wallcrawler was one telling me, and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah." It was like this thing. And I'm like and I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh." And I was like, "Oh shit, okay, I get it." Um, but um uh, oh shit was the the one song um is about um uh Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And uh and he makes and they make all the references to to uh, to Blade Runner. And he's got um, that entire music video that's all clockwork orange references. Yeah. So he's like all dressed up as a droog and riding around in the car. He did I think he did a music video that was uh 
They had a, they had a Cagliostro in it. Nice. Um, and, uh, and all that. But, um, I'm trying to think what's the, um, uh, more human than human. Yeah, yeah. Which is the tagline in uh, Blade Runner for the, um, uh, for the replicants is more human than human. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, which again, it's kind of that whole fan theory thing where he's like all, he's making all these references and putting all this stuff together, you know, in his song, but it's, so I guess not really a fan theory, but just the, the homage and the reference to it and just slice all things together. And of course, you end up into things with like werewolf women of the SS. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Rob Zombie, please come on the show. Oh, God, I loved how Rob Zombie on oh, the show. Yeah. Kid me, dude. And, and, and please tell Sherry. <laughs> please. <laughs> and this is why. This is the same reason why I didn't meet Chris Sarandon. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude, I love your work. I mean, I mean, hell, Princess Bride is great. Fright Night's great. I mean, you know. Child, the child's play is really cool. I mean, you're great. Uh, hell, I even, I really like a dog day afternoon. By the way, uh, can I get Susan's number? Like, I just, that, that, that's how that conversation would have gone. And the thing is, even though I told you, like, hey, you know, make sure you watch over me to make sure I don't say anything or do the wrong thing. I knew that if I, that as hard as you would have tried, it would have come out of my mouth before you realized what I was doing. And they been like, ah, shit. So, so I, I didn't meet Chris Sarandon because of that. And that's why we would never have Rob Zombie on the show because you would do that right thing right there. So, uh, are you familiar with the song, um, Pussy Liquor? Is that a Rob Zombie song? Yeah. Uh, I think we've talked about it, but I don't think I've ever listened to it. It's, it's, it's a fun song. Um, I think that's off of Educated Horses, but it's a uh, pussy liquor L I Q U O R. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and there was there was a horror. Oh yeah, well yeah, that was in one of his films. That was in um, Devil's Rejects. There was a store called the Red Hot Pussy Liquor, and it was L I Q U O R. So the reason I mentioned that is because there's a there's a soundbite in it, and I don't know what it's from, but I'm pretty sure that the person speaking is Sherry Moon, and. It's like it's like yeah, I like to get fucked up. He goes, I like to get fucked up too. It's like yeah, I bet you do. And when I hear that voice, I'm like, I bet you that's her. <laughs> yes, that that is that is from the Devil's Rejects. <laughs> that's uh, because I always think about whenever I hear that song, I always think about you, <laughs> you, and be like that would be like I like to get fucked up too. Yes. <laughs> yes um. No, that that wasn't uh, that. That was the first one, House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, that was House of a Thousand Corpses because I was I was watching that one with Camelot, and uh, and, and because I watched Devil's Rejects without him, and uh, but we watched House of a Thousand Corpses together. But yeah, so they they capture everybody, and um, you know they've got Dwight and all the people, and they're all like strapped up. So she goes out and goes to get the drinks, and she goes to the Red Hot Pussy Liquor store. And I'm sorry, I just think I think it's funny you call him Dwight. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, he pretty much calls himself that. Um, so, but yeah, so she like goes into the the booze place and she's like getting just shit tons of alcohol. She's a little and uh, I can't remember what he says to her, but she's like, "Yeah, we like to get fucked up. We like to do fucked up things." And he's like, "Yes, I like to get fucked up too." <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful, man. In her younger days, she would have made a great Harley Quinn. Um, I don't know. I think I think she would have been too scary to really carry off the 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 sexy, scary like like unhinged Harley Quinn vibe. Um, I, I think under a good director, she could have done it. 
Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, so uh, I guess it is my turn now, right? It is you. <laughs> uh, now it's my turn. Um, <laughs> so uh, so mine was to connect um, uh, Bubba Hotep and True Romance. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> disclaimer: I haven't seen Bubba Hotep yet. <laughs> I just know that it's like highly recommended, and I know the gist of what it's about. Yeah. So Bubba Hotep is actually is a really good movie. Um, so I'm trying to think which one I want to start off with first. I guess I, I guess I should describe, um, uh, Bubba Hotep. I think that'd be probably the easiest. So I think that makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah. So Bubba Hotep is, um, the movie starts off uh, with a Elvis in a retirement home and, uh, and he's, uh, he's reflecting on his life, um, being an old man and, uh, like, you know, he's, he's weak. He's, um. Uh, He's, he's older, so he's aged. Um, he can't get it up anymore. Uh, he and and the other thing is, nobody believes he's Elvis. Like he's in this he's in this retirement home, and nobody believes that he's Elvis. And uh, and that's kind of bothering him too. And but the fact that like his glory days are behind him, like okay, I'm getting older. My life is you know is coming to an end here, and and you know and I can't kind of in a sense I can't even die as being Elvis because that's been taken from me. Um, not that he necessarily even really wants to die as Elvis because, you know, Elvis is kind of this immortal thing. Um, but the, uh, the thing is with him, he just, he wanted to drop out of the limelight. And so, uh, another, a look like an impersonator took his place. That impersonator died and then he lived the rest of his life as an Elvis impersonator, actually just doing himself. Until a fire um, burned out his house and he lost all the proof that he really was Elvis. So now everyone just thinks he's kind of crazy. A crazy Elvis impersonator that won't let go of the fantasy. He's in this retirement home and he's there with this black guy uh, in, a, uh, it's in a wheelchair named Jack. Who's played... Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, Elvis is played by Bruce Campbell and Jack is played by uh, Ozzie Davis. Ozzie Davis claims that he is John F. Kennedy and that um, after a failed assassination attempt... He was dyed black and then put in the in this retirement home to, I guess, maybe for his safety or to get him out of the way. And then Lyndon Johnson just forgot about him. He's been there the whole time and nobody believes that he's John F. Kennedy because, you know, he's a black guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, and there is uh, he does have a scar like on the back of his head that could be from a bullet. I don't know. Anyway, they have been carrying this this mummy that uh, ends up coming there and is. And it's, uh, so people in the, in the in the retirement home are dying, and uh, they end up finding out there's this mummy that was kind of brought there and brought to life. Um, and the mummy has been sucking the souls out of the old people. Mm-hmm. And because it's a retirement home, and they're kind of forgotten anyway. Nurses don't really care about them. Like no one's really looking into this. They're just oh, they're old people and they're dying. But it's really this uh, this mummy. Yeah. And um, and uh, Elvis, uh, they call him Bubba Hotep. Uh, because he, because the mummy's dressed like a cowboy, so the uh, Elvis is calling him Bubba Hotep, and they try to stop him before he kills any any more people in the in the retirement home. And uh, and at one point, he ends up looking into the mummy's eyes and kind of getting a vision of everything that the uh, everything that the the, uh, the, the mummy's past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so prior to when the movie opens, um, uh, prior to when the movie opens, Elvis has. Uh, Sometime in his past between, uh, like, after he lost all of his, uh, 
after he lost all of his information to prove who he was. And now he was in a coma. Um, so it's been like 20 years since that incident, but he's been in a coma. They don't really, I don't think they tell you how long he was in a coma. He was in a coma for a while. Mm-hmm. And of course, and the movie doesn't really take place in any particular time. It could be any time. It's almost like a, like a, a, a Napoleon Dynamite thing where, um, not that, not this are completely nebulous, but it could be like anywhere between, you know, the eighties, the, the nineties, um, but it doesn't really, to my knowledge, it doesn't really specify when it is. Right, right. Um, and that actually kind of fits in with the next part of it, which is true romance. So uh-huh. we've talked about, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> we've talked about true romance quite a bit. It's a Tarantino movie directed by the uh, um, the late Tony Scott. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Wonderful movie. So... Um, so True Romance is about a guy named Clarence who's kind of a, I don't want to call him a loser because there's nothing about Clarence that says he's a loser. He's just a loner that um, that doesn't have any friends. It probably has a hard time like connecting with people because he's kind of introverted and, yeah, and a loner. He's, he's just a little socially awkward. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I would say that. And, and because he has a, such a strong affinity for Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of ask me, uh, ask me to a Kung Fu movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> Three kung fu movies. <laughs> Three kung fu movies. <laughs> I, I love that response because it's so you, confident. Yeah, because you 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 expect him to be like, oh no, she's shooting me down. He's like, no. He's like three kung fu movies, not just one. I mean, how, come on, what, like who would who would just invite you out to one kung fu movie? <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, so uh, he meets this girl. Uh, he's uh, it's actually his birthday, and he on his birthday he goes to go see like a movie. And then um, goes to dinner and he meets his girl at the movie theater and he goes to see, uh, not this really important, but he goes to see the Street Fighter movies with Sonny Chiba. Street Fighter, Return of Street Fighter, and the big sister of the Street, uh, the street Fighter. Um, it's not on our list to Let's Watch. Uh, I don't think the Street Fighters are, but they probably should be. They should be. Uh, so, um, so anyway, uh, he meets this girl and there's instant attraction between the two of them and they have sex. And uh, and they kind of fall in love, or or so you think, only to find out that uh, that the girl he meets, her name is Alabama, that Alabama is actually a call girl, and uh, she was paid to be there. His boss actually paid her to hook up with him, and give him a really good night, because he was like, hey, this guy didn't have any friends, and he's he's kind of a you know uh, a, a loner, um, and I just wanted to have a good time on his birthday. Uh, but Alabama actually does fall for him and he tells her he really likes her. She says she really likes him. And then they had this like kind of whirlwind romance of sorts of that over like, I don't even know if you can call it a romance. Like it's, I, I don't want to say they get married like the next day. I think it's maybe a couple of days, but it's, it's pretty fast. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's within a week they get married and they're like, we're in love. We love each other. And um, so Clarence is trying to wrap his head around the whole idea of her used to, of Alabama used to, uh, being a call girl. And he's like, well, did you have a pimp? She's like, um, she's like, well, yeah, you know, call girls have pimps. And mine was this was a guy named Drexel. And he's like, was he nice? And he's like, well, not, we didn't really call him nice. He's a pimp. And he was like, you know, he got rough with one of the girls and everything, but he's never hit me. 
And clearance can't, and I know I'm kind of giving a lot of information, but clearance can't really handle that because... I've got to say, Drexel is a fucking amazing character. Oh, Gary Oldman plays the shit out of that character. Oh, he does. Gary Oldman's incredible anyway. Like, I've, I've never seen a, a role for him that I haven't been impressed with, but holy shit, Drexel's amazing. Drexel, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the, he's, uh, he's got the dreadlocks. So first off, I mean, there's no, there's no, like, like, English guy in him at all in Drexel. No. He's got the one blind eye. The dreadlocks, the scruffy like beard thing, and uh, and then even when he's sitting there eating the Chinese food, he's like, and he's like, he's like sucking his teeth and stuff. He's like, well, yeah, sit down. And he's like, we got everything here from a Delight Joe to a damn if I know. I mean, he's like, he's <laughs> Drexel is like, oh, um, he's he's great. There's a pair of fine ass titties on that screen. <laughs> we moved at him one time. And it's like you just been clocking me. Now I know I'm pretty. Banana is pretty. It's a couple of titties. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I could quote Drexel all day, but um, so so Clarence, his um, Clarence's whole thing is um, is that he's like he he feels that that he's he's kind of an old school kind of guy, and he feels that uh, that that being a um, he feels that being a, a man means means handling things. Like a man would, mm-hmm. and and that is you know taking care of of his his woman, taking care of the the woman he loves, mm-hmm. and and he's like you know what, I I I don't like the idea of you running from this guy, right? Uh, I don't like the idea of you running from this guy and not going back. You've got things there at uh, at his place. I need to go get those things and let this guy know that you're not coming back, that you're done, because that's what a man does. And, um, and so he decides to, he's going to do that. And he goes over there. Um, and Clarence is not a tough guy. He, he plays tough, right? Uh, but he's, a, I'll say he's a man of conviction. He's not a tough guy, but he's a man of conviction. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so he goes over there. Some stuff happens. He ends up killing Drexel and, uh, killing Drexel's bodyguard, Mar- uh, Marty. And, uh, and ends up getting what he thinks are Alabama's things. But actually turns out to be a suitcase full of coke that Drexel had killed somebody and stolen earlier. Um, so, um, so, uh, then they're like, you know what? We got all this cocaine. Um, why don't we just sell it and, uh, and then use the money to make like good lives for ourselves? He, you know, he's from like a, like a broken home. She's from a broken home and he's like, you know, let's do this. So he goes out to Hollywood to sell it because he's got a friend that's an actor, not a really good actor. Um, and he's like, Hey, <laughs> I hear actors are really big in, in the drugs, right? You know, the guy that does drugs or something is like, I can sell him the, like this whole suitcase full of cocaine, which is probably like worth $500,000. I'll sell him to over a hundred thousand dollars. Cause and I'm not a drug dealer. I don't care about getting the market value for it. It's free. He doesn't tell him all the story, but he's like, it's free to me pretty much. So it's a hundred thousand dollars to me. I just know there's like everything. If I ever sold it for a dollar, it's profit to me. Right. 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 Um, and so he goes out there to sell it. Kind of some shit goes wrong because of some other stuff. And then, um, we get to see Brad Pitt smoke, uh, smoke weed out of a teddy bear bong. Yep. Which is, which is awesome. I love Floyd. <laughs> so good. Floyd, do you think you can help out around the house sometime? Yeah. <laughs> I love when he actually meets them and they're like they're doing the introduction of the talk and he's just laying there with a big smile on his face and after they leave he goes, How you doing? <laughs> like, hey, get some cleaning products. <laughs> Got the cleaning products. 
Floyd's awesome. It's the best thing Brad Pitt's ever done. Fucking kind of seeing me now. Kill you. <laughs> kill you. <laughs> it's like, besides, Clarence, I didn't know what was real, what was bullshit. Besides, Floyd smoked the second page of the letter. <laughs> so, so anyway, drug deal happens. Shit goes wrong. It goes eight ways sideways. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but in the end, Clarence, Alabama, they get the money and, uh, and they go out and uh, they live the, the life they wanted, like the you know a a very happy, comfortable life. And, it, and he says in there, he's like, you know, I'm 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 just a kid of a guy of average means, right? I don't mm-hmm. want too much. I just want, you know, I guess what he feels is due to him for a regular life, not a big house, not the fancy, just a nice, comfortable life where he can live with someone he loves. And in this case, into raising a child, which they do. Yeah. So how does all this play in or tie into? Uh, into Bubba Hotel. Well, before Clarence goes over to, to see Drexel, he's he is in the bathroom and he's talking to his mentor. Mm-hmm. We never we see the mentor. We never see the mentor clearly. We see like like a like kind of like a out of focus like a, images of them. We see kind of reflections of them, but we never fully see them clearly. We never see their face at all. Yeah, just their yeah. body. Lots of silhouette shots. And in in the in the credits, the person is just called mentor, mm-hmm. um, which and and um, actually and the the mentor is played by Val Kilmer. Again, you don't see his face at all, but it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But the mentor talks to Clarence. Um, I think it's twice. Um, and he goes to see Drexel, and then when um when they're making the deal. Yeah. And both times it's in the bathroom. That's all I remember. I yeah. thought there was a third. But yeah. I was thinking there was a third, but I think it's just the two times. I like so, it, Clarence. Uh, huh? I like it, Clarence. Yeah. So the mentor basically is, is kind of Clarence's conscious. Um, and I guess it's it's also uh, Clarence's ideal of of what a man is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and as we said, Clarence um, is a big Elvis fan. He wears these kind of Elvis shades. He um, talks about Elvis a lot. Actually, when we first are introduced to Clarence, he's in a bar talking to this woman trying to take her to see three Kung Fu movies. <laughs> and he says, he's like, you know, he has like, a, um, you know, uh, in that movie, all is like Elvis and care of anything about like living fast, dying young and leaving a good looking corpse. And, and he's like, you know, if, if I had to fuck anybody, I mean, I mean, had to, if I had to fuck a guy, right? If I had to, he goes, I fuck Elvis, you know? And then later on, he meets a guy. Um, and he's talking to him. The guy's reading this like a like a Newsweek or a Time mm-hmm. magazine, and it's so article on Elvis. And he just goes there and it's like, "Hey, have you read the thing on Elvis yet?" And he, and the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, get away from me, dude. Like, I don't know who you. Why are you talking to me?" And Clarence starts talking about Elvis and the, and the Elvis fans and everything you're talking about. And the thing and and the and actually the guy ends up warming up to him. There, yeah. he's like, "Oh yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like and." And, 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 and of course, then, and Elvis, uh, when Clarence is talking to Alabama, he, he says pretty much the same thing. It's like, yeah, in that movie, only thing that Elvis cared about was like living fast, like, so huge Elvis fan. His mentor sounds like Elvis mm-hmm. talks to me. And when he's, when he's talking about the, when Clarence is kind of conflicted about the whole Drexel thing, the mentor shows up again. You don't really fully see him, but you kind of get an image of him. And it's, and he's dressed the same way. It's the, um, it's not the, Jailhouse Rock Elvis. It's the, I guess it's the Viva Las Vegas one because mm-hmm. he's wearing the the yellow jacket. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not. I don't know much about Elvis and Elvis movies. Um, uh, uh, you've never seen uh Eddie Murphy's Delirious um concert film, have you? No. 
well, he talks about Elvis movies and stuff like that. And it's like where Elvis didn't really like act and everything. All he ever did was, uh, was just sing like, uh, like they would ask Elvis a question. And he would like sing all of his lines. He would like, <laughs> he's like, Elvis, we got to win this race. We got to win this race. He goes, Elvis, want some lemonade? Lemonade. That cool, refreshing drink. I mean, like, it's, it's funny. <laughs> so, um, so, so, um, when we see, uh, when Clarence is in the bathroom and the mentor is talking to him and he's like, um, and the mentor says, she goes, are you haunted? You want to get on haunted? And he talks like Elvis. He's like, um, and he's like, uh, and he's like, he's like, do you, you know, he's like, I, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, it's like, kill him. It's like, it's like, yeah, you're not killing a man. It's like, you know, it's like, you're not, it's like, you're not doing anything. Well, it's like, he's, he's like, you think that guy deserves to breathe the same air that you deserve to breathe? And he's yeah. like, you think a cop gives a shit about, uh, about some, like, you know, some drug dealers, like, he goes, that they gets killed. He's like, you know, two in the fucking head, cops throw a party, man. You know, it's like, that, and, and then when the end, he's like, uh, when the conversation's over, he always ends with like, I like you, Clarence, always have. Yep. I'm sorry. Always will. And he's in his hands and he has the thing. He's got the rings on and it's Elvis. <laughs> and that there, that was Kung Fu. Only <laughs> <laughs> well, two types of people know that. <laughs> in the, at the end, near the end of the movie, when they're making a drug deal, Clarence goes into the bathroom and the mentor is singing at Heartbreak Hotel. Yep. And Clarence is like, it's like, you don't think I'm kissing his ass to you? He's like, no, you ain't kissing his ass. I mean, you just told him he wants to hear. That's not kissing his ass. I mean, he's like, yeah, I mean, I was, I was genuine. I told him I love coming home in a body bag and everything. That's why I didn't ask him. And, and then, of course, he's like, you know, he's like, I like you, Clarence. Always have. Always will. <laughs> so, so that's the connection there. So how does that tie into Bubba Hotel? Yeah. True Romance is also one of these nebulous films. It doesn't take place in a particular time. The only thing that really ties Bubba Hotel together, which I still have not been able to understand and no one's been able to to explain to me because I guess I've never really asked anybody and I guess anybody that really knows is that in the movie there are several times where Alabama is watching TV and the movie Free Jack is on TV. Mm-hmm. So Free Jack is this movie with Emilio Estevez, Anthony Hopkins, Rene Russo, and uh, Mick Jagger. And it's all about this guy who was a race car driver. Um, he crashes in this big like race, like a Formula One race, crashes and dies. Um, I think it's Formula One. I don't think it's NASCAR. It crashes and dies. In the future, they have a way of um, of of uh, like retrieving someone from the past, like their body. Like um but you only you but they don't do it. That that kind of uh, use of that technology is forbidden. Um but Anthony Hopkins um runs this big company. He's in love with Rene Russo, who was uh, Emilio Estevez's wife. Emilio Estevez died in a crash and he knows he can't he can't win her um, with his old body. Plus, I think he's dying too. Hmm. So he uses technology illegally to bring Emilio Estevez into the future right before he crashed the car um, and then died because he burns up in the crash. And then he's going to transplant himself, uh, his mind into this body. And that's why that's the little free jacking things. You you take a person right before they die. And you bring them to the future and then you basically put your conscience into them and voila, you haven't really broken anything because the person dies. You haven't interrupted the past right. um, and everything still happens the way it's supposed to. And uh, but then Emilio Estevez gets loose and then he's being hunted down by um, the soldier. Uh, it's military. Uh, uh, I don't know what, what his rank is, captain or whatever, who's chasing down the free jack. Um, so that is on several times throughout the movie. But it's uh, I think. um uh, I think uh, Floyd is watching it at one point. 
and then Alabama watches it in two other points. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because the movie, and I can't swear to it, but I think the movie, every time they're watching it, it's not picking up from where it left off before, but it's in like chronological order. Yeah. yeah. So like when she sees it, it's, when she's watching it and you first see it, it's at one point. And then when Floyd's watching it, it's at a later point. And then she watches it again, it's at a later point, but it's not all in the same day. It's over right, like a couple right. of days. Um, so I've never kind of understood like the connection there with that. But anyway, um, uh, the, uh, that's the only thing that Free Jack's the only thing that ties True Romance to a particular uh, time because Free Jack came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. So we know that uh, because this is on cable, that True Romance has to take place somewhere um, after 1992, 1993 or so. Yeah, yeah. Bubble Hotep movie came out in 2002, I believe. So sounds right. So now the movie, just because that's when the movie came out, that doesn't necessarily mean the 2002. That doesn't necessarily mean that that that's when it takes place. That's right, just when right. the movie came out. So I would say that. For my fan theory, but since Bubba Hotep can take place kind of any time, um, 20 years from the time his house burned down, which you don't really know, yep. plus he was in a coma for a short time period, you don't know when that was, um, but we do know that it's, uh, you know, that uh, that somewhere, it's been 20 years since this, and um, uh, and some during, during that 20 years, he was in a coma, you don't know for how long. Right. So, my thing is, Elvis's whole, and Bubba Hotep, Elvis's whole uh, deal is that He's getting older and he's dying um, and he's not the same guy he was before. He's not the Elvis, you know, the the showman from the past. He doesn't have that. Like his legacy no longer belongs to him. His legacy belongs to that that young guy on the screen. Right. right. You know, or 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 the the, the jumpsuit wearing bloated guy that they that they, um you know, that a lot of people like, you know, see uh, from like, was it Elvis? Uh, um Aloha, Hawaii, whatever that concert is. Yeah, um, yeah. The and, cheeseburger Elvis. Yeah. Which so, is a very small window of time in his career. Yeah. But that's the, um, like, the the idea of Elvis, the the brand of Elvis, his legacy belongs to that guy. It doesn't belong to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's kind of what the thing is, like, I, I'm forgotten, you know. Even though I live on, and even though I live on as an imposter, it was what people think I am, and there's a ton of Elvis imposters, but but everybody is the imposter playing a role from the past, mm-hmm. like, and that's where he is. Like, so, like, I I I haven't died yet, or people may think I'm dead, but I technically like died a long time ago because the um because of the like that's where my legacy peaked. That's when people remembered me right you know? right so that being the case his sole existence is based upon basically the love and the adoration that people have it's that it's that fandom that keeps him alive right that right. that's keeping him going and but now that's he realized that, that doesn't belong to him anymore and that's why i guess in a sense he's starting to feel his age because the spirit the thing that kept him alive was the the, the fans and and their love of him, but he realized that they don't love the him now. They love the him then, right? And right. so and so he's feeling his age, and and he's kind of not say ready to die, but it's like he's you know it's like now I'm 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 starting I'm getting to that point where I'm gonna yeah you know, I'm I'm heading into the after uh, into the uh, the sweet hereafter, right? Right. So using that theory, and plus there there he does when he does 
um, lock eyes with Baba Hotep, he does get that telepathic like um, uh, vision of like Bubba Hotep's life. You don't know if that comes from Bubba Hotep or that comes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't necessarily believe it comes from Elvis because there's nothing in his background to say that, that he could do that, but you don't know. Right, right, um, right. And help, he was in a coma. He could have the, he had the whole dead zone thing, right? You don't know. <laughs> but I surmise that when he was in the coma, <clears throat> one of the things that kept him alive, one of the things that, that, um, that, uh, I guess, that, um, uh, I guess kept his youth was that, he was, in a sense, in the, um, he was, in a sense, um, in this kind of, like, spirit realm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, all these times that people would see, like, oh, I saw Elvis in the grocery store, or I saw Elvis here, yep, yep. just like just like I saw Jesus in an oil stain, right? <laughs> that that was really him. Huh. He's, in, he's in a coma, and his consciousness is out there, and and, of course, he takes on the role, the image that people see him as. So when the mentor is giving is giving clearance advice, yeah, it really is Elvis. It's a it's the spiritual version of Elvis during the time that he was in the coma. Nice, okay. And that's why now he's like that's why he's now starting to understand like that that his life is over. But it's like I will live on forever, but I won't live on forever. Right, right. And 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 it's like and in a sense he kind of. All these other people that we we see the Clarence's story with him, right? And all these other people, um, all these other people that have also had their thing, their 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 stories, their their images of Elvis, their 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 love and belief of him, and, and all that. And you know, where mm-hmm. I saw him here, I saw him there. Yep, you know, yep, yep. that was all him when he was in a coma. You know, his mind is out there, his spirit is out there, and it's touching all these people, and kind of in a sense reclaiming that life that was taken from him when the imposter died. Yeah. And and to, to kind of to kind of kick it all off and really tie everything up with a bow is like I just said, like the whole thing is like I'll live forever, but I won't live forever. Right, right. And the end of True Romance, yeah, Alabama is giving her whole her whole narration about um, you know sometimes you know Clarence will ask me you know what would I would have done. Sorry, Clarence gets shot um, when Clarence is coming out of the bathroom. Um, he is not aware that a bunch of shit's going down. Yep. He comes out of the bathroom. He gets shot by a cop in the in the face um, and uh, actually loses an eye. Uh, and uh, and Clarence gets him out of there, out of the hotel. This is where it all takes place. She puts his Elvis sunglasses on him. They kind of slightly wrap around shades. Yep. She put those on him and she gets him out of there. And so in the end, they're on a um, they're on a beach, um, presumably in like Cancun, because they're early to talk about. About going to Cancun, and she said, "You know, that sounds like a movie." Clarence in Alabama go to Cancun, mm-hmm. so presumably in Cancun, they're there on the beach. And she says, "You know, uh, sometimes Clarence asked me, you know, what I would have done if that bullet had been like two inches further, like you know, to the uh, to the right." And he's like, "You know, I pretend like I like I'm not going to answer him, but then I tell him that you know that I would mourn, but eventually I would go move on with my life and, uh, and all this stuff." And uh, she goes, uh, "But maybe, like, perhaps, uh, you know." Or maybe I wouldn't have named our son Elvis. And in that scene, you see her sitting on the beach and Clarence is playing with a little little boy, maybe about four years old, mm-hmm. right? And his name is Elvis. And there it is. I'll live on. I'll live forever, but I won't live forever. Right, right. And so here it is, the legacy. I mentored this guy here and let him be, helped him to be the man that he wa- always saw himself as. And the man that he always wanted to be, the kind that can take care of his family. And now he's passing that legacy on to his kid, yeah. who he named Elvis. All right. 
Bam. Perfect tie-in together, man. I like it. I like it a lot. I love these fan theories. Yeah, these are a lot of fun. I mean, so when I when I like see people's fan theories, sometimes I'm like, this is just utter bullshit. Like, it's like before I read the second like the second sentence of the fan, I'm like, okay, what you just said here, like, it's completely disproven in the movie, right? So right, like your right. your theory goes nowhere, and it's it's hard for me to really get into them sometimes. And I'm, I'm like, oh come on, where are you getting this shit from? <laughs> but honestly, coming up with fan theories is really kind of fun. Yeah, just just going crazy, and if you can really tie it in together and make it work, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, you know, when we when we first started, started doing this, talk about doing this, it was really to kind of take some like some things that didn't really go together and try to see if we can make them like fit. <laughs> right, right. Because uh, I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, like my the first one that I that I offered up as a um, oh like hey this would be kind of funny um, uh, would be to connect ET and Scarface. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, so it's like. Cause like, like how how would those two be connected in any way at all? Like how would those two be connected? And I was like, well, um, in ET, the family has just moved to was it Arizona or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're recently divorced, and you know, and Elliot's like, oh, I can't be with dad. And it's like, well, you can't, you know. And and my theory was because his dad, uh, their father was uh, was uh, Scarface, and. Well, you can't because he's dead. Right, you know, right. he, he like he didn't. He kind of abandoned us as a family, and <laughs> uh, and and then of course he got killed, or or you know he's in he, he's in prison. Right, you know, but right. but that's why. Like uh, now, obviously, Scarface doesn't really show him having any kind of family, and his life hasn't really that long to be able to have three kids. One of them that's like almost eighteen years old. Right. But but you know that was a way of tying it in. So because you never see the the husband or really hear his name or anything else, know anything about what he did, mm-hmm. except for that he's not in the picture. And you kind of get, I think you get the feeling that he, um, that they divorced because he just, like went away with another, with a younger woman. Um, uh, it's been a long ass time since I've seen E.T. But, uh, but, uh, but just tying a movie in together like that and be like, oh, well, this is why. So like yeah. this small little plot point here, I'm going to tie this into that. Yeah. Not like these, because I think it's just kind of fun. Yeah, it's but a I, lot of fun. And, and sometimes, like you, we, we get ones like, okay, so connect like you know, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz to like the first Transformers movie. Like what? Like that's that's way too hard to do. Like yeah, yeah. But if you can come up with something, you know, that like something reasonable, um, and be like, make these two work, and it just let your mind just kind of like your imagination run wild. I, I love it. That's fantastic. To yeah, I see. I like it when the movies are super different, but there's got to be some kind of connecting theme. Oh yeah, there has to be. There has to be some kind of tether, something the, that you can follow with. Yeah, there's there's got to be at least one thing, and if you can get that one thing, like I I, I don't think it'd be too far fetched to to like do a fan theory on how Shrek connects to Game of Thrones. Hmm. Because they're both fantasy worlds, but like you couldn't. Like it would be impossible to do a fan theory on how Shrek connects to, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. Too different. Yeah. There's there's no there's no common thread there. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I really liked um, I really liked trying to make my two fit together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing is that when I when I gave you those two, um, knowing they were both Kubricks and. And knowing Alex's penchants for for violence and sex, and then and then uh, uh, eyes wide shut, you know the big orgy thing and all that stuff. I, I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I think that you can. I think there's there's something there that you can that you can um, really build upon. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I um yeah I, I dug I, I like these and I hope everybody else likes them too. Yeah. Um, um, to to prove us right or wrong, just watch the movies. Yeah. Because you could like you can't really spend much better time than watching those four movies in particular. I think. No, no, I don't think so at all. These are all very very excellent films. And uh, and you know I mean if you uh, if you want to like not not that you like be like hey. Uh, Come up with a, uh, or like, we love your fan theories so much. We think they're, they're so great. Um, you know, but like, if you want to see what we could possibly do, like, I want to see what kind of connection you can make between this and this. Yeah. Like, give us two movies, man. We'd love to just, just, you know, see what we can do with them. If we can't, if we can't make them work, we'll just be like, Hey, we got these two. Um, but we just couldn't make them work. Um, but it's, it's always good to get like an outside voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and someone to present something that, uh, cause we're, we're, pretty much in tune um, with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it makes it, it sometimes a little too easy for us. Yeah. Yeah. So to have having an outside voice to be able to like, Hey, what about this? Um, I think it adds a lot to uh, a lot to it all. So yeah, man, that'd be cool. So like, if you guys want to see what we can do with something, yeah, man, just let us know. Like just drop us a line, be like, all right, what about these two? You know, if you want to just hear us rant about some shit, man, just be like, Hey, I'd love to hear you guys go off about this, but like, I can go off about that, you know? So yeah, whatever, man, whatever, yo. So, uh, but anyway, so, uh, I think we are good here. Yeah. All right. So my name is Turk 182. And I'm a Comey. And, uh, and thank- I'm not gay, but if I had to fuck a man, it'd be Elvis. <laughs> I'm not gay either. Um, but if I had to fuck a man, it would not be Elvis. <laughs> Um, I don't, I, I, I can't say that, God, I, I mean, if you had to fuck a man, <laughs> God, if I had to fuck one, mm, um, I don't know, maybe Bradley Cooper, cause I hate him so much. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Before, before we close, just cause you mentioned that, <laughs> just because you mentioned that. All right. Cause I, I just, I just got to talk a little bit. Cause I actually want to do a segment about like, uh, about some like my favorite actors or I guess maybe our favorite actors, but you have, you have actor facial blindness. So I don't really, if you know, if you have a lot of favorite actors or not, I don't know. Well, uh, I've got a few. But, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. Um, but, uh, but if you guys aren't aware, but I, you should be one I, I love me some ben affleck oh, oh and yeah. by the way ben affleck yeah he's he's on my list by the way um i heard that jennifer lopez trying to get back together with brad pitt bitch keep your fucking hands off ben <laughs> affleck all right <laughs> bitch oh oh god Just get the fuck away from ben affleck i'm not fucking kidding you dude get the fuck away from him <laughs> get away from my man stay stay <laughs> the guy's way too talented for you to come in here and fuck his all shit up you know <laughs> You used him once, right? Okay, like shame on you. Use him again. Fuck you. Um, probably your fault. He got the back tattoo in the first place. Probably is, man. It's all hepped up on goofballs and shit. <laughs> Fucking bitch. Anyway, um. So anyway, um. Uh, so you know, I love Ben Affleck, and you probably know know that I hate Bradley Cooper. I. Fucking hate Bradley Cooper. Yeah. So let me explain to you, like. Why I hate Bradley Cooper. Just so you know, we're like an hour and five minutes in. Okay, that's fine. So- <laughs> that's fine. This is worth it. Okay, so you've seen Bradley Cooper, right? Yeah. He's a handsome guy. Oh, yeah. He's got that fucking 
disarming smile and those blue eyes. <laughs> oh, smile. Yeah, he, he's got he's got he's like a really decent build. Um, so uh, Bradley Cooper, by the way, is uh, was born in 1975. Mm-hmm. So he's what like uh, 46 now. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so he's 46 now. Um, and he's you know he's been a, a, f- a few movies now. The thing is, um, he's actually uh, he's actually been in uh, been acting for quite a while. Because uh, I, I was looking him up to explain to somebody else why I fucking hate him so much, and I didn't realize that his acting credits went back that far. And I was like, oh wow, I was like, okay, so you know, which I'm always impressed by people who have been acting for a while, and then like just the right thing opens up to let them show who they are, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, cool. So he was in like Wedding Crashers and Failure to Launch. I just can't seem to get it together, man. Um, he was in uh, Alias um, and um, the movie The Comebacks. And, of course, like, it's one of his bigger uh, – the movie that probably would have made him like a, a more of a known name earlier than it was was the movie Midnight Meat Train. Mm-hmm. Um, so Midnight Meat Train was a, a horror movie that was um, uh, based off of – I think it was a short story um, by or a novella by Clive Barker. And um, – they were guaranteed a theatrical release for it. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it stars uh, Vinnie Jones um, as like the killer. Bradley Cooper's this guy that thinks like a photographer that witnesses him killing this person on this train. He, this guy kills people on the subway train. And um, the movie was guaranteed it was a a theatrical release because um, that's the, the agreement they made with the with the movie studio. Apparently, the studio didn't want to release the movie. I guess they didn't think it was that good or whatever. So, and this is some. Seriously, dick shit, right? <laughs> they released it for one weekend in dollar theaters only and then yanked it. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that is so fucking underhanded. Such a dick move. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it is. And then, of course, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, a couple years after that, um, you know, then he's in the hangover. And then, of course, you know, his Dunham Broadstreet just blows way up. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so Bradley Cooper here. Again, very attractive guy, you know, and still you know, fairly 46, fairly young, um, you know, good looking guy. He um, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture because he was one of the producers of the Joker movie. Huh. Because um, the Joker movie was directed by uh, Todd Phillips, yeah. who also directed the Hangover movies. So, you know, they're, you know, they're friends. Now, Bradley Cooper did a movie called Star is Born. It's a remake of A Star is Born. It's been remade. I think this is the second remake. Yeah. Uh, I think the original one had, um, uh, uh, what's that, uh, Liza Minnelli's mother, um, Julie Garland in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the second one, or the remake, the first remake has Barbara Streisand in it. And then this is the remake with Bradley Cooper and um, uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay. So, Bradley Cooper directed the movie. He also... Co-wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Uh-huh. He also produced the movie, and he uh, also sings in the movie. Yep. Yeah. So he wrote it, directed it, starred in it, produced it, and sings in it. <laughs> so nominated for an Academy Award for Best Motion Picture because he produced the, the Joker movie. Mm-hmm. Nominated Academy Award for Best Motion Picture for Star Is Born because he directed it and produced it. Nominated. For Best Performing Actor, right? Best Performing Actor in Leading Role for A Star Is Born, right? Nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for A Star Is Born. These were Academy Awards. Nominated for Best Motion Picture of the Year for American Sniper. 
Nominated for Best Performance of an Actor in a Lead Role for American Sniper. <laughs> nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for American Hustle. Nominated Best Supporting Best Performance by an Actor in a Lead Role for Silver Lightning's Playbook. Yeah, I forgot he was in Silver Lightning's Playbook. Uh, yeah, um, hey, um, fuck you. You can't get to be all of that, Bradley Cooper. That's not fair. You can't be that good looking. You can't get to be that damn talented where you're just like, I'm a great producer. I'm a great writer. I'm a great uh, actor. I'm a great director, right? Oh, and then I can sing too? What the fuck? Oh, oh, and, and Turk, Turk, Turk. Have you ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I've seen, of course I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Who has seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Say, Turk, who, who's your favorite character in Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, it's Rocket. I do the voice of Rocket. I'm like, oh, God, fuck you. Fuck you, Bradley Cooper. So yeah, if I had to fuck a guy, it would be Bradley Cooper. Great. Just because I hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> God. I hate you, Bradley Cooper. Now, that being said, I don't want any harm to come to him, right? You just want your dick in him. <laughs> my hate is my hate, okay? My hate is not your hate. My hate is my hate, right? But yeah, fuck you, Bradley Cooper. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> See, I was, I was just... I was just quoting True Romance. I know, I know you were, but I'm just saying. I mean, it's not fair. Like, I got this fucking one gimp leg because one of my legs is like an inch shorter than the other one. And so I got to wear like fucking lifts in my shoes and everything. This guy gets to walk around being everything you could be. And he's like, man, kiss my ass, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Again, my name is Turk182. And uh, thank you all for joining us in an episode of Our Mom's Secret Film. I'm a Comey, um, Bradley Cooper. If you ever want to come on the show, um, more than welcome to, uh, and tell Sherry Moon Zombie I said hi. My question with connection, but okay. I'll come up with a theory for it. So a little side note: in uh, the movie Silver Lines Playbook, there's a part where he and um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence go to this diner to have coffee or whatever, and and uh, they pass by a movie theater, and Midnight Beat Train is playing in the movie theater. Nice. <laughs> All right there, folks, that was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give them a hand.